Welcome to episode 291 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed listening to Stageworthy and you listen on Apple Podcasts, please consider rating the podcast with five stars. If you're so inclined, you can also leave a review. Your ratings help new people find this show. And if you know someone that you think will like Stageworthy, tell them about it. Some of my favorite podcasts became my favorites because someone I knew told me about them. And remember, you can find and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. You can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website with the archive of all 291 episodes at StageworthyPodcast.com. And if you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. Coming up on my Patreon in support of a new audio drama, I will be posting a couple of videos. One, talking about the theatricality of last year's audio drama, St. Nick and the Big F*** and how I look at the same kind of theatricality in the coming audio plays, as well as a deep dive into the construction of an episode of last year's audio play. Check it out at patreon.com slash My guest this week is actor and artist entrepreneur Vicky Villanosi. What's, I mean, what is the state of space-based revolution right now? What's happening there? Um, well, okay. So space-based revolution, sort of, I'll try and keep the story as short as I can, which is that um, when the lockdown happened, we were mandated to close. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was this, you know, big question mark of, okay, what's going to happen? Um, and for businesses, it dragged on for so long Mm. before there was an announcement of support. It was months. Mm -hmm. So my, with my landlord there um, at the ones at both spaces, it was, you know, big, just a big question mark. And, you know, I wasn't paying them rent anymore because there was no money coming in. And I was like, okay, well, just so you know, and they were hand, but I had two landlord. I had two landlords handling it very differently. One of them was like, okay, well, here, sign this thing that it's gonna. You're, we're gonna defer your rent for April, and it'll be due in September. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's no chance. I'm not yeah. making up an entire month's worth of rent. Yeah. Before that time, and I didn't want to sign it. I was like, I'm, I would be in bad faith. I, I know I will not be able to pay that back. Mm. Um, and then the other landlord was like, don't worry. We're going to work together, whatever. There's going to be supports that will be available. We're going to work on it. We want to take everything we can. Mm. Um, and unfortunate for that, this is the landlord at the Commons, which is the Little Italy location. Yeah. And unfortunately for them, they had just bought the building. So it had been just sold. Right. They closed. They closed on that building March 15th. And I think it was like March 13th when they were like, it's a pandemic. (laughs) So that sucked for them, but they were like, you know, we're really supportive. We want to do everything we can. We're, they they literally said the words, we're not like normal landlords. Okay. Um, and the supports came out, they were announced 
that, you know, landlords could apply to have rent relief. My landlords there said they were going to do it. Landlords at the attic said they were going to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think two months went by before even like the details of that rent relief program were were announced. And uh, the landlords at the attic were like, great, no problem. Here it is. Here's what you need to sign. Here's what you need to do. And the landlords Mm -hmm. at the commons were like, actually, we changed our minds. We don't like the program. So that's it. It was like, (laughs) they Uh. said, "You, you can leave if you want and we won't go after you. I was like, I, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I, they're like, yeah, we're going to need all of our money now or you can go. So like that space, ha- the, uh, I was just having this conversation with somebody else earlier today that like that space mm. was, I was getting all of my effort for, you know, at least two years. Yeah. <laughs> the mm. attic was kind of like an afterthought, like overflow space. So it had been through a ton of different renovations. There'd been a lot, I'd put a lot of thought into it. And so it was really upsetting, but in the end, it, I just, it didn't make sense to, they weren't going to work with me and no. I wasn't going to give them everything that they wanted, you know, considering the circumstances and I couldn't, Yeah. but they, uh, the jokes on them because as of September and different rent, different version of the rent relief program kicked in and, all businesses, well, not all businesses, but my, I qualified to be able to access rent relief mm. personally. So I could access the rent relief and just give them their money. They would have got a hundred percent of their income from September onward. And instead I was officially out August 31st and they are still empty. Yeah. Well, it's still empty. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in the, it's super short, short-sighted of them to, to do that. And, you know, I'll, I'm also not surprised that they're empty. What, what business wants to open now? Yeah. You know, so that's too bad. But the attic is still, is still, is still there, is still mm-hmm. available. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So, I mean, that's, that's been the, the good part of it all is that, okay, so the attic is still there. I still have, you know, something to work from. And the truthful part of it is that if I actually look at, and I did look at, you know, okay, well, what do people actually need right now? What do my, mm. like the clients that I serve, the arts yeah. community that I serve, what do they need right now? They don't need space. Like not really, not re- not a lot. Like, so it actually made the most sense business-wise to downsize. Mm. So it was a blessing in disguise that I was sort of forced into it because I don't think I would have had the heart to do it myself. Sure. Um, so, you know, downsizing into the one space. Mm-hmm. was a really smart move. <laughs> I just didn't do it on purpose. Well, speaking of what, what artists need, um, what, and what, what, what do you think artists need and, and, and how can, how, how do you see space space revolution working to, or, or, or yourself working to help artists get what they need. Yeah. I, I, uh, really early on when I first started running spaces going back nine years ago. Um, and I, I, we've talked about this actually before, uh, I had, you know, I was an actor. I was a, I was writing, I was starting to produce 
And what it, what I thought I needed and what everyone else talked about needing when we'd all have beers, you know, is just space. We just need space. Mm. That's all we need. It's just some space to do our thing. All the spaces are disappearing. And that would be, you know, what we'd talk about. And then I started providing space and I'd provide it and, you know, they'd say, oh, it's too expensive. People would say that, oh, it's too expensive. I'm like, oh, right. okay, well, I'll, I'll find a way to make it cheaper and make it cheaper. And then I'd find ways to like, okay, well, I could give you the space for free if you do this for me. And they'd be like, no, just, <laughs> this is not right now. It's like, you know what? <laughs> Turns out, yes, space is needed. But uh, what I've learned along the way of doing this and, and actually trying to serve the arts community is that a, a mindset is more important than purpose-built space. Hmm. Um, and that's something that I've been building as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. And it's something that I see a lot of artists not even consider. Um, hmm. You know, people talk about self-care, which is important. And that's a part of it. That's a piece of it. But the actual mindset that goes into creating anything and making it happen and actually doing it and mm. actually, you know, moving it forward, getting back up when it doesn't work. <laughs> like that is a mindset shift that ha that needs to happen in order to get through it. Yeah. And even to use the resources that are handed to you, those resources are only useful if you have the right mindset and you look at it in the right way. So mm. that's what I've realized is I realized it a long time ago, actually, this is sort of where if I want to help as much as possible, this is sort of, I think where I need to shift what I, or add, I am, I am in, I imagined it mostly as like, Oh, I'll just add this whole extra layer to space, space revolution. But in mm. reality, I didn't have any capacity left <laughs> to add anything <laughs> at all. So that's what took so long, but you know, talking about blessings in disguise, the, the pandemic left a lot of open space mm. and energy for me. So um, it's been, uh, it, it, that's what I've been refocusing on is, um, is a place and uh, a community where people can, can gather together and just marinate in a, you know, supportive um, action-based, uh, entrepreneurial-minded place. Mm. Um, and that's originally, while I thought up all of this, it was going to be, okay, the attic, now that I have this space, I'm going to have some open desk hours. I'm going to have workshops. I'm going to do this, but it was still surrounding space. Mm. <laughs> and now that, that you know, it's still unclear when that's going to be available. Mm -hmm. I've now started moving it and, and imagining it as an online space and whether or not that will be where it lives and stays, or if it will transition to an in-person thing, mm. that's still up for, you know, discovery, but mostly it's a, it's looking like a, it's going to be, Facebook group and website based mm. um, in fostering this kind of a community. Right. Can we talk a little bit about the entrepreneurial uh, uh, mindset? Because I yeah. think that's something that uh, 
a lot of artists, and I, I don't know, I don't want to speak for all artists, but theater people in general, actors and the like, um, it's not something that we think about a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, even people who are producing theater probably don't think about an entrepreneurial mindset for the arts. And so mm-hmm. what does what does that look like? And what I don't know, what have we been missing about it? <laughs> um one specific thing comes to mind and what you said it, so many, so I have another business as well. I run a, a princess party business and uh, kids entertain it's kids entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of my entrepreneurial skills <laughs> transferred over, uh, I would say maybe all of them. Um, and so I've tested it sort of in a traditional business way and then in an arts way as well. And then as a, producer in the arts transferring it over and you know I've got all of these little test babies out there that have you know have have happened um and when I tell people what I'm doing or you know it comes up in conversation I hear from artists oh I don't understand business at all I'm Mm. so not a business person like you like why the hell do you think no nobody's a business person (laughs) nobody and everyone at the same time because I am the least likely person that if you went back, you know, 10, 15 years and were like, you're going to be a business person to be like, I don't know anything about business. And I didn't mean to either. Mm. It just happened out of necessity of what I was trying to do, which was provide space for myself. Um, so the, the, just not even imagining yourself as a business owner is such a huge part of it. Mm. Uh, I, in building this Facebook, the Facebook group is really what's getting my attention right now. And that's what I'm building out and that'll be launched very soon. Um, I, I started asking people, you know, what do you want to see in a, in a group? What resources would mean the most to you Mm. uh, in terms of just business knowledge that you, you feel like you're lacking or that you, you wish you knew about being an entrepreneur, being a business person. And the two top answers that I got from people were taxes and investing in the stock market, and I, I like, I had a real like good crisis about it for a minute because I was mm. like, I don't, those aren't what I don't know. <laughs> like, mm. I mean, I kind of know a lot, a bit about both of those things, but that's so not where I was headed. And then I realized, oh my god, no, that is actually what I would have said as well. Mm. And one of the, one of the first things I, I was telling people when I had started running space and was starting a business was when people would ask me, how's it going? I'd say, I had no idea how much I didn't know. I didn't know. Right. I had, I just felt like I was like, I opened a door into a room and I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> this is no, I had mm. no idea this was even here. Yeah. Like, so I know that when I started, if you'd asked me, it took me a while to even call myself a business owner, Mm. like years when Mm. I was already doing it, I was running a business. And when I thought of what a business person looked like, I thought of a man in a suit carrying a briefcase, thinking about taxes, (laughs) investing in the stock market. Like that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This person who is like, so not me living in my weird lofty factory converted room with you know the curtains that were half falling down wearing my all black and walking around barefoot like I didn't I I didn't imagine it and so I didn't even consider it so in terms of mindset just the idea of just the first step of imagining yourself as something and saying oh maybe that is me maybe I Hmm. maybe I could 
Um, and what I think is so genuinely amazing about artists is that all of the stuff that business owners are paying thousands of dollars trying to learn, like creativity mm. <laughs> or like the try they're trying to get in t- back in touch with themselves they're trying mm. to get back in touch with their why and their purpose and back in touch with the community and all these things like artists have all of that in the mm-hmm, bag mm-hmm. we have all of that like we've got a whole pantry full of all of these things that entrepreneurs wish they had mm. and included in that is entrepreneurial spirit that everybody talks about oh the entrepreneurial spirit in order to do anything that's not fitting into the mold of what we were trained to do in an, you know, in, in our educational journey, um, which is focused on you becoming a person who be, like, I, I think it's pretty across the board understood that you're, you're trained in elementary school and high school to become the employee. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's, there's not a lot of talk of like, and then when you invent whatever, and you know, it just doesn't even, it's an afterthought if it even is mentioned. Mm-hmm. If you're breaking that mold, you're already, you already have an entrepreneurial spirit. To be an artist is the epitome of entrepreneurial spirit. So there's no real reason that an artist shouldn't be able to, you know, feel like they could be an entrepreneur because they already are. Yeah, I have this feeling that a lot of people, you know, artists and theater and actors, and there's this block in our heads about about that sort of thing. Just like when people are like they're starting to to get into self producing, and they they hesitate because they feel like I don't know anything about producing. I'm not a producer. I could never market myself. I'm not a marketer. There's no way that I could talk about my work. And that sort of like stands as sort of like a block. And then to try to think about how, um, what you're doing, like, like how to be a business person again, another block, because we, we went to theater school thinking, well, you know, I'm not, I'm out of the machine and all the things that we thought, like, we're not business people. We're just artists, you know? And that's so to, to change that mindset is a very difficult thing for it. I think for a lot of us, and, but it is a block. It's something, it's a story we've told ourselves. Yeah. And and I think it really does. My theory is that it really does come from the way that we are educated to become employees. It's still left over in us. Mm. And it's Mm. also all around us from everyone who loves and cares about us, who Mm. also subscribes to, you know, the capitalist industrialized (laughs) way of life, Mm. which, you know, as you should, that's the way that our society is. Um, You know, the, the, when do you, when are you going to get a real job question <laughs> is the like, ugh, that's the, you know, the one that makes all artists skin crawl. <laughs> it's like, uh, uh, that question is a valid question from yeah. people who are, you know, most who care about you and who understand that, you know, in their world, the only way to get what you need in life and be secure and healthy and happy is to, is to go this route where you become an employee. So we're all sort of immersed in that attitude mm-hmm. while we're while we're doing this really radical thing of creating art, creating mm-hmm. something from nothing, and then you know trying to make that work and trying to share it with people. And I think we're just 
still hung up on the idea that we have to be employees. And what I also have just sort of started, I've started using the phrase, the industrialization of the arts <laughs> mm. and the, the capitalization of the arts. Um, and when you look at the way that arts, the arts industry has been run for performing artists, you apply for everything. You have to apply mm. for the, you know, you, we call it auditioning. You mm-hmm. apply, you apply for the role, you apply for, you know, the position you you apply for the grant you apply for the funding you apply for the you know we're constantly applying like we're employees mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trying to get a job and applying is a huge part of being an entrepreneur is you know putting yourself out there asking for the the exchange proposing something to someone it's all in there but the biggest piece that seems to be missing for a lot of artists is just just changing the just widening the point of view a little bit into the world of not asking for permission or applying in order to reach an audience because that's where that's direct to consumer if you know in the business term it's mm-hmm. it's it's direct to consumer we're doing business to business as artists in uh, in the traditional sense and we're trained in our programs to do business to business oh yeah co- find the casting director find the uh, the agent mm-hmm. find the producer find the person find the gatekeeper who's mm. going to give you the keys to then get to the audience or who's going to deliver you to the audience for you we're mm. we haven't our mindset hasn't caught up to the fact that we're in where the internet happened, <laughs> like even just TikTok happened, Instagram happened, all of these mm. platforms happened, YouTube happened, these places happened where you just go direct to consumer. Yeah. And it's totally fine to also do that business to business, you know, casting director, get to the producers, get to the, the you know, the bigger, cooler stuff that, you know, is really neat, but go direct to your audience as well. Do not forget that because there's this huge open field of opportunity that no one should be missing. Absolutely. I think that uh, there's so much in terms of the, the, as a, as an entrepreneur, we do like, I'm all over the place right now because my head's spinning, but like (laughs) that idea of, of, of gatekeepers and you're right. We're asking permission all the time all the time for, for funds, for, for may I perform? Like, how do I, how do I get the money to do the thing? We're always asking for permission. Um, I think that, you know, we're a lot of these, you know, these ways of, of reaching direct to the consumer are, are new. And so they never taught about, taught us about those in theater school and they never, you know, we don't know how to use those. And these are, these are new things for us to, to try to explore. Yeah, but they are they are very real and they're very here. And I think I find TikTok is a more interesting case study to me than even YouTube because TikTok, from what I understand, was started by theater kids. Like not started, but popularized by theater kids. It was an app that was mostly used by like young 
actor aspiring actors who were you know using it to sing and to it, it just became an easy way for them to express themselves I'm like this is no accident <laughs> that yeah. performing artists who have that drive already flocked to this app that just allowed you so quickly and easily to produce videos of your of yourself and then the fact that the pandemic happened everybody ended up singularly by themselves and you know with limited ways to communicate mm. and reach people, it just, then it started blowing up. It became this, you know, huge possibility. And now you have people who don't even consider themselves artists mm. telling incredible stories on this app, sharing mm. incredible life changing information and, and art. And, you know, and we, it's such a cool development. Mm. And I think that it's the, you know, I hate, hate to say like something so cliche is like, it's the way of the future, but mm. that direct to people way of creating people don't care about the production value, mm. not, not to the point where anybody and everybody without any training can figure it out. in you know, one afternoon mm. people want stories. Yes. They're yeah. waiting. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, you know, I was just having this conversation a little while ago about how, um, in theater, we can do, we don't need a huge budget. We can be lo-fi mm -hmm. and people will buy it. Yep. Right. People will suspend their disbelief in a, in a theater for a production in a way that they won't for a movie. Mm -hmm. Um, we can say, you know, the lights can go down and we can throw up a blue light and we can go, it's night. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. people are like, roll their eyes if a film does day for night shooting and that sort of thing. Like mm -hmm. we can get away with, with, with so much in a lo-fi way in, in theater. So we don't need like that huge budget. We can do a lot with a little. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> now, as far as like, cause you know, one of the big, the big questions and the things that, 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 you know, when we're we're trying to be an entrepreneur, I imagine that a lot of people, when they start to think about themselves as entrepreneurs, is that they they don't know what they're offering mm -hmm. as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Like, I trained to be an actor all these years, and I've been practicing being an actor all these years. How? What's the service that I offer that people pay for? Right. And that's I mean, that's got to be like question number one, isn't it? Um. I would say backtracking a tiny bit more mm. the way that I like to look at it um, and sort of coach people to look at it is take one step back and make a list of every single community that one you're a part of and two that matters to you. Mm. And that is an exhaustive list. Like you could spend forever doing it because we are all every trait that we have, mm. everything that we've seen, everywhere that we've been, everything that we've done, we have communities that are attached to us. And there are going to be some like, do I care about the, you know, community of people who are the same height as me? No, mm. not <laughs> in, a, in, like in any, <laughs> any serious way, but do I care about the community of people that live in my building? Yeah, I actually really do. Do I Do I care about the community of people that live in the actual few square blocks where my building is? Actually, mm. yeah, I do. Do I care about Toronto? Do I care about the, you know, the people who 
have family members with addiction? Yes, mm. I do. I, do I do I care about people with addiction, the communities of people with addiction, because I have the family member who deals with that? Yes, I do. So there's all of these communities that we're a part of just by living and being human and living our lives. And your your gift, your what your your product, your your product is your gift. Mm. Your gift is your product. Is your storytelling ability is your talent and your, and the fact that you care. Hmm. So whatever you do with that knowledge of what you care about or what concerns you or where you feel like you have some, some lesson to teach or some story to tell or some, you know, something to contribute. That's, that's where you, that's where you can go. And it's the nice thing about it is that it really is infinite. The options, Hmm. as long as you've, lived your life (laughs) (laughs) just that's all you got to do live your life and i i think after that then it becomes okay now what do you have what do you want to give that community what do they need Hmm. uh and i think you know this is another business tool that i've you know i think needs to be talked about more often in the arts world is the minimum viable product and investing in testing, get your, you know, whatever it is, get your one minute version, get your pitch, get your, get anything out there created that's minimum and then test it with the, with the community that it's for. Hmm. And I, you know, all of this comes from like all of this desire to, you know, if I think about it, if I just use my own exercise there that I did like what community do I care about like I care about the performing arts community I care about the community of actors who I see and know intimately are do feel lost feel defeated feel like quitting feel like leaving the industry feel like it was all a waste or you know all of those all of the stuff that comes from trying and not feeling like you're getting anywhere in an industry um all I care about those I care about those people <laughs> and I think I by providing space I have a very unique opportunity to see a n- large number of people come through over and over and over again over the years and I see the pitfalls mm. that happen and the pattern that happens between everybody who seems to try and one of the things is okay here's my show I created it it's who's it for? Mm. If you ask who is it for, the answer is like Toronto. <laughs> like just because you're here yeah. <laughs> doesn't mean it's for them. Like, yeah. and also Toronto doesn't know how to care. It doesn't like, unless mm. it's like it does know how to care. If you're if you're creating something for Toronto, like what's worked before, like really serious, huge Toronto pride based stuff, like. I don't know if your Shakespeare play really hits that point. Like, <laughs> like, and there's nothing wrong with it, but like, what? so I think starting from a community is so key to mm. answering that question of like, who, what's, what do I have to give? What do I have to offer? Like really decide what, which community am I creating for right now? Mm. Which community do I care about? Yeah, those those questions I think are those ones that that um, especially those those of us who 
sort of stumbled into self-producing and things like that mm-hmm. and starting or starting or trying to figure out like, you know, if this is a business, what is the business and all of that stuff? Like, these are questions we never asked. Nobody mm-hmm. ever taught us to ask, like, who's this for? Because we weren't marketers, all this sort of stuff. And we have a hard time. Don't worry time. about that. That's not for you to know. <laughs> no, no, no. But we we have a hard time, uh, like, saying things like, like, figuring out, like, who is this for? We're like, it's like, obviously, everybody wants this, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's that's any entrepreneurial space you go into that's specifically for business owners that is that's the first conversation that's had there too so it's Mm. not an artist specific problem it's Mm. a human specific problem there's there's also a lot of like really unhelpful information out there like well if you like it then everyone will like it (laughs) that's not no (laughs) sometimes I mean, sometimes I think I think that in my mind, I think that I know where that comes from. That comes from the idea of I know I've seen on the internet when people get when you're telling a story that's really personal, mm-hmm. it can be so many people fall and be like, "Yes, exactly like that." Mm-hmm. But when you try to tell a story that's universal, nobody relates to it. Yeah, um, and I think you can fall into that that trap of, "Oh, well, if I like it." It's you know, then obviously everybody else will like it, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. Cause I like it is not a story. It's not the story that I'm telling. Well, the, um, the, the when people join the Facebook group, what they're going to, uh, that I, the Facebook group's called artist bosses. Um, and what they're, what I'm giving people when they join as a welcome gift is how to write a story in five minutes or less and it's a Mm. a exercise that uh i use i use in kids parties actually (laughs) (laughs) i use it with kids to help them tell stories at parties because kids love to just make up stuff and it's a great imagination game and it's fun and they what they come up with is hilarious so it's fun for the parents it's great and i use this exercise and it's you can take any story and put it into this format and realize that all stories sort of follow this same idea. And it's, I'm using this as like the first piece, the first resource that I'm giving anybody because in order to, you know, do so much of what's required as an entrepreneur, knowing, knowing that you actually do know stories is sort of step one. Like you, you know what a story, you know, stories, even, even if you don't think you do, even Mm. if you do, you know how to, you know, so much of this stuff, even if you don't know, like Mm. all of the training that you ever see about social media, Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, it's always about what is your brand's story? What is Mm. your, what is your individual story? What's your brand is story marketing is story like we mm. we are equipped to do this as artists we have all the right stuff so mm. it's just reformatting it and 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 believing that you actually do have the ability mm. it's kind of interesting thinking back to what you were saying is how in a lot of business organizations the business business people entrepreneurs they are often trying to learn how to be artists <laughs> how yeah. to think outside the box and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. So in a way, if we could stretch our minds around it and stop telling ourselves that we could never be an entrepreneur, we already have a lot of those tools. 
Yes. We know how to play and we know how to mm-hmm. how to connect with ideas and and things like that. Yeah. We just have to turn those tools towards ourselves rather than stuff that somebody else wrote. Yeah. Now, since the since the the pandemic has been going on, I've I've noticed you doing uh, several different things like um some clubhouse talks about how to how to, you know, how to do Patreon and things like that. Uh, is this all, was this also part of the uh, your overall artist boss uh, 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 idea, or is that just sort of something on the side that you were thought, thought like people should know this? Right. Um. It's it's definitely all part of the same idea. I, and I found out what Clubhouse was, and I was like, oh my god. I, I'm not ready for anything, but I'm just going to hop in and do this and mm. just see what happens. And this, and if nothing else, I'm going to learn a little, I'm going to gain the confidence to, <laughs> to yeah. like be able to, to do this, you know, um, I'm going to just hit the ground running. I just sort of saw, I don't know. It was kind of like, I wasn't ready to go anywhere, but the train was passing and I was like, well, I better get jump on now because mm-hmm. cool. Um, so it's all part of the same idea, but just a very like test run in a test run way for me, just hmm. figuring out what do people talk about? What do people actually need? How far off am I about, you know, what I think people need? Um, hmm. And I guess really it's a, it's a, it was a way of me quickly putting together a minimum viable product and then testing it out <laughs> for what mm-hmm. it is I'm trying to do. Um, and, and so far it's been really beneficial and, and, awesome and it's you know built its own little community there and i think it's just only going to be complementary to what it is i'm doing with the with Mm. the facebook community and wherever that goes to um i'm not like clubhouse is a is an interesting place i don't know if you've spent much time there i haven't actually spent any time there i sort of know the concept of it but i haven't i haven't i haven't really played with it yet it's it's attracted a lot of business coaches in varying capacities Hmm. consultants and coaches who will run rooms and hmm. have people join that, you know, it's all audio and you can bring people up onto what they were calling the stage and hmm. they can uh, unmute themselves and ask questions. And there's, you know, certain etiquette of like only speak when, <laughs> when talked to in some rooms and other rooms is just free for all. Uh, and it's a lot of being pitched and sold to hmm. and a lot of, really like almost painfully awkward networking <laughs> like <laughs> just people really like hard pushing hard for like mm. that opportunity or that you know connection or that so it not all rooms are like that but it's full of a lot of that so sure um it's 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 not the most a- attractive place like i i don't think that in terms of what i do i would like put all of my eggs in that basket or anything. It's, mm. it's, uh, but it is a really neat way to connect with people that is kind of unparalleled because mm. you can just quickly have a conversation with whoever it's like a matchmaking service mm. essentially mm. where you just randomly get to talk to people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, it, it's been interesting because there are so many tools that have, have, uh, come up during this pandemic and so many things, mm-hmm. you know, just speaking about the, the the resiliency and the creativity of people who make theater, people who two years ago told me that 
would have told me that I don't know anything about technology now doing like, like, like zoom shows and like learning mm-hmm. technology and how to set up their own three camera shot in their bedroom. <laughs> like that's incredible yeah. stuff. So there's, there is a way we can think out the outside the box. Um, and there's so many tools that have, that have, that have popped up like clubhouse and other ones. They're just not all good for what we're doing. No. And, and, you know, I think there is really what's interesting to me and fascinating to me about being an entrepreneur or business owner is that when you don't have anybody to, you know, answer to or anybody else who's calling the shots or directing you or, you know, without, without anybody else above, like telling you what you should be doing you realize quickly how, or I realized quickly how the the possibilities are really endless. Like there mm. actually is no wrong answer. Hmm. There's like what works and what doesn't, that's it for where you're trying to go. Yeah. And then along the way, while you're trying to go there, what, what didn't work, you realize, oh my God, actually, whoa, that totally, I never even would have thought of this, but this goes here. Like, so it's just such an interesting never, never a dull moment, you know, like experience. Um, and I think a lot of artists and, you know, performing artists specifically miss out on that because that when they are getting a job, same thing, going back to that idea of like, when you are the employee, you're asking for the permission, you're asking to be, you're applying, you're getting chosen, you're getting, mm-hmm. you know, hired. You never get that full creative control over what it is you're doing and even when you're you know even when you're self-producing I feel like people self-impose their limitations into like what the community's doing or what the industry's doing or you know so it's actually really a reimagining yourself as a creative entrepreneur it's like really reimagining yourself as as someone with creative freedom, Hmm. like true creative freedom. And I think that's for me as an artist, what I felt like I was missing before I started all of this is I felt like I was missing that creative freedom. I felt, you know, stuck and stifled. So, um, this is the most, like as being an entrepreneur is the most creative I've ever had to be. Hmm. Yeah. You're sort of, sort of just a, a little bit ago, we were talking about, about, you know, talking about Patreon ideas. And mm-hmm. I think that, that, um, crowdfunding in general is something that, um, performing artists and theater makers have largely ignored or misused and then ignored. <laughs> uh, because oftentimes we'll, we'll start our Indiegogo or our, our, um, our, 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 our Kickstarter and, we don't get a lot of traction except outside of our, from our friends, because mm-hmm. quite frankly, um, a lot of times we don't consider why people back these things. Sure. Um, you know, we'll start a Kickstarter and to be quite honest, our, the things that we're offering as perks are really shitty and things that nobody would really want <laughs> outside of like our friends. Yeah. And so we then abandon crowdfunding because, we it oh it didn't work for us that one time, um, yeah. and meanwhile we're completely misusing it and not thinking about how to make offerings that are attractive to people, so they will give us money to back the mm-hmm. thing. 
Mm-hmm. We have to give them something that they want. We can't just like I remember one, uh, a campaign years ago that just enraged me because their whole thing was uh, for for ten dollars we will thank you on on social media for twenty dollars mm-hmm. we'll thank you in our program and on social media mm-hmm. and it was just like no those are things you do anyway like if you want the money you have to give somebody something they want not like we, we can't treat it like the way that we can't treat it like it's charity. Yeah. So one of the biggest and hardest mindset shifts that I am still unlearning. I'm like, good God. It's one of those lessons that comes around to hit me over and over. And it's like, every time it does, I'm like, God damn it, you're still here. Like, And it's, it's this, it's the mindset of being both for charity and a charity Mm. as an artist. And that was, I was taught that. Like, I, I remember, like, I still, it's, it's so much less now, but just the thought of charging money. Mm. And I tell the story all the time of, of when I first started running space, two separate people said to me, well, that's not really fair. You're taking money from artists. Mm. And I think about that once a week at least. <laughs> and I think, oh man, yes, you're com- they're completely, completely right. And I'm prov- we're we're trading money for mm. something I'm offering that should then be able to give that person what they need. Mm-hmm. But there's this without without the mentality of I need to get what I need in order to do what I'm trying to do. Mm. That transaction doesn't work. And so I have, that's one of the, been one of the biggest obstacles in running a business for a performing artists that I don't have for entertaining kids and, mm. and selling programs and shows to, you know, moms. <laughs> I don't have this problem where I run into people who are just furious that I would charge a dollar. Yeah. 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 It's like, they're like, they feel like I'm holding them hostage. I, I have the emails from people saying that it, I, it's absolutely unfair that I, I took advantage of them because there's so few space, few spaces available in Toronto. Like, holy moly. Yeah. It's like we, it's like, it's like there's, there's a complete mis, like not understanding that we have to, like, if we don't pay for a space, how does that space stay open? Well, but I also, I, I remind myself, like, I literally sent those emails before I started running space. I 100% Mm. I sent those Mm. messages and it wasn't, I wasn't like pissed like some people are, but I was like, you know, Hey, can you just lower the price for me? Because I'm an artist. Mm. Like, but I'm an artist though. I therefore (laughs) am deserving of your charity because I'm the one doing charity. I am just, but a mere charity offering Mm. my art for barely nothing. I'm making no money. So therefore I am a charity (laughs) and I also am deserving of charity. And there's this like really weird cycle that I think is just unexamined. And I, and if you take a second, like you said, and Mm. say like, well, how, who's going to pay for this space? If not you, <laughs> you know. Do you think that some of that comes from, you know, I remember having conversations 
years ago with a, a, a collective I was working with and the subject of what do we charge for tickets came up. Mm-hmm. And a couple of people were like, well, we want to make it accessible to everybody, so we should charge $5. And it was like, no, we should charge 15 20 But then what about the people who can't afford it? Well, we have a pay what you can, but what about – and I think that because – we worry about people, quote unquote, being able to afford it. And that comes from yeah. the fact that we think that only our artist friends will come to see it. Yeah. Um, we get stuck in that, like, oh, I have to make it affordable. But you can price yourself out of an audience and not oh, by yeah. raising your price. Mm-hmm. If your price is low, people will think that it's not worth anything. Yep. And it, so I think that a lot of times we 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 go in and we're think people are thinking, oh well, I'm not going to make any money from this because I'm only charging five dollars a ticket. So obviously I'm I, I'm a charity and I you should give me the space out of charity, and that's <laughs> like that's yeah wrong. Well, you know, just what you were talking about with the GoFundMe, and really I think that's that's sort of set us on this track of talking about it about this top about this topic. Um, people have success when they start something with their friends and family because their friends and family care about the individual who's Mm -hmm. doing the project. They don't care about the project. Right. But you're asking people, Hey, will you give some money? Because, and I, I need you to prove that you care about this project. People will go, yeah, absolutely but they don't care about the project. They care about you. Yes. And that gives you a false sense of security when you're doing a GoFundMe for the first time, or when you've watched other people do a GoFundMe is, Oh, people really like, really give money to this, this project. Mm. Wow. Okay. Why aren't they giving money the second time? Why aren't they giving money the third time? Why does Mm. it dip instead of go up? It's because people are what, because the perk that you're giving what yeah. you're offering in adva- in exchange are warm and fuzzies for people who care about you. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and That's that right. is a very f- real thing. That first time, of course, our family gives us money because they care about us, yeah. but we can't go to them every year and expect them to give us the same amount yes. or every six months or however often we do it. We have that charity from them. Again, that word, we have that charity from them once. Yeah. And then after that, it's diminishing returns, and we have to actually start thinking about what do other people want, and we have yeah, to do I'm, our research and figure out what's working in other uh, GoFundMe's or 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 Indiegogos or things like that. Well, the, like the promise of something that would be really valuable, and and coming back to that idea of the creating something for the community, and and you know, I'm thinking of like. One of the things that I backed once was a collar for a dog that would mm. give you like their temperature and their heart rate and it would ping you in your phone if there was anything like health wise and it was a <laughs> GPS and it was all this stuff. And anyway, it never ended up getting made, but that's not the point. The community that they were serving were obviously pet parents, overprotective pet parents. And, you know, I'm there and I am completely in that, in that community and I wanted that product. I was like, get this product to market now, yeah. <laughs> like as yeah. fast as you can. I will give you money if that means you can get it to me faster. And that's yeah. what they're selling is get it to me faster, please. Or get it to me at all. Um, so there's that's what they're selling. And you've got 
you know, like there, you you would never catch any page like that. That's like, we'll give you a thank you. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think about, about the, the ones that I've backed and I've backed them because of the perk. Yes, maybe, you know, whatever. I've backed because of the perk. Let's take theater and stuff like that off the table. I've backed projects because I get a copy of it or whatever. I want what they're offering. And on average, I've given them $50. Now, imagine if for a theater project, we offered people things that that they might really want and people would be willing to give us $50 at a bare minimum. Mm-hmm. Like how quickly could we fund our project if we actually put that out there and 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 really figured out what well, was something that people want? I think this also I I talk a lot about um, the importance of bartering and the importance of the, the the not even the importance but like the real treasure that bartering well is. Mm. Um, And this is something I was fortunate enough to learn from my dad, who is like the king of bartering. He has a guy for everything. He has a like, (laughs) and that, and, and he networks through bartering. Like he doesn't go to an event. He's a, he's a business owner um, as well, but he doesn't go to an event in order to meet the people he wants to rub shoulders with. He, he, he networks as a byproduct of bartering and, it it can be the like the greatest tool you'll ever find. Um, and I started doing it with space just out of necessity because I didn't have any capital funding or money mm-hmm. money to start with. I didn't ha- I invest like I invested maybe like three hundred dollars to start. Like no <laughs> big deal kind of thing. I mean, uh, three hundred dollars was still a big deal at the time, but um, it just you know it pales in comparison by, for like these capital projects where it's like you know. Seven million dollars to create this, you know, first first project. Um, but so many people will come to me as a space owner and attempt bartering, mm. and the attempt goes like this: Hey, we're brand new. We're just starting out. Will you? Can you give us the space for? you know, half of what you normally charge or, or, or for free. Um, we'd love to give you a shout out in our program. <laughs> like, fuck. And I've done this. I've typed, I've sent this email and I, I, I cringe when I get it because I'm just reminded of when I sent it and just what I know now. And I'm like, mm. Oh God, how embarrassing I sent this email so many times to different people. Um, because what this has done is it's only thought about what you need and not yes. what you actually can offer or what that, mm-hmm. per, or what that other person needs. And it, and it's just like checking a box on like some kind of like producer template that they found on online or did some program that was like, here's how to produce barter, mm-hmm. ask for, give them advertising space in your program. Like, but you just told me you're brand new. Yes. in the same sentence you told me you're brand new like if you know and also what what makes you think that my clients are going to be like you haven't told me who your people are yeah who's coming what's your target audience what's your it's just ah yeah (laughs) no no when you see it you see it right and it's like obvious but it's 
it's tough. It's tough to find, to know this stuff, especially when information is out there and like, you know, I know I mentioned briefly like producer training, but when it's like, you know, just offer them a space in your program because that works for soul pepper. Like that works for soul pepper for the restaurant next door. Yes. (laughs) I think, I think about that all the time. The number of times that it's like, yes, offer the space in the program. And that's fine. If you're like, you know, soul pepper can do it. And, you know, companies that have been around for, for a while, they can do it. But what is the value of that to you when you you just said we're brand new? Yeah. We don't even have an audience yet. Yeah. So if you think in terms of like, you just, 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 I think the really the way to deal with this better is to just slow down a second and think, okay, what do I need? Mm. I need rehearsal space. Okay. <laughs> what do I have? If you mm. have no audience at all, you don't even know who they're going to be. You're not sure. You don't have any certainty. You don't have any numbers. You don't have anything that you can like prove that, you know, who you are. There's nothing like that. What can you do? Everybody has a side hustle, <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. who, who has a skill here that's marketable that we can leverage? Like who can like, can anybody build anything? Can anybody, you know, any, like these are any, I've never known an artist to not be multi-talented and yes. <laughs> you know, multi-interested as well. And just, if nothing else, you are capable of cleaning, <laughs> even if <laughs> badly, yeah. you can probably clean. You can probably, you know, who needs cleaning? Yeah. Ask that question next. Who needs cleaning? Is there anybody we can cross-reference that needs cleaning and has space like are there restaurants that need their floor mopped like are there you know like who's so you can be asking that question and then there's okay what are the what are the reasons they might say no like then Mm -hmm. you can think about that well what about security what about this what about that you know who do we know that maybe trusts us a little more does anybody have like an uncle with a restaurant or like you know like there or does anybody anybody belong to a church where they're known and trusted, like yeah. re- really. And if it, if you go back to like business terms again, it's like this is leveraging your goodwill. Mm-hmm. Goodwill is a term that's t- tossed around all the time. That I think it's just a case of like so many other things we've talked about already. It's just a case of art, the arts community not having this language and not having a substitute for it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't exist if you don't have language for it, you know, <laughs> like it, not really anyway, like unless you have a way of describing it, it it's, it's pretty f- hard to yeah. understand it. So yeah, the good, the leveraging your goodwill and bartering that way. So before you send that email, like I will, like I can, like maybe one time I've had somebody say to me like, Hey, we really are, this is our budget. This is what we need. Mm. I've noticed when we, I was there for an audition, the garbage was overflowing. Mm. Do you need any help taking out garbage? I actually live across the street. I live down the street. Like, oh my God, yes. But yeah. prob- what's the obstacle there? 
I don't, tr- I don't know you. I don't trust you. You'd have yeah. to be in the space when I'm not there. So how do you get past that? Maybe we can rent from you a couple of times, you know, prove that we are a trustworthy group. Mm-hmm. And then could we explore further because we're going to come to you exclusively for our rehearsal process? Could we explore further a potential trade for space and, or a discount on space? And we will do the cleaning for you in the evenings. Like that's, an incredible gift Mm. because it's something that I didn't have to reach out for. I didn't have to spend the time looking for, but that was just presented to me as a great offer. Mm. And I think we, we miss the mark when we create offers that aren't good for both groups and just hope the other person's dumb enough to take it. Yeah. I, (laughs) I, you know, I think that that's, that's sometimes the case is that we're, Although we would never say it out loud, we're kind of hoping that we'll offer this shitty deal and the person will just like jump out. Or you know what? Charitably, often when we're starting out, we don't know enough to know that we don't have an audience. Yes. Yeah. We have because we haven't thought about it. We haven't. We in our we're it's our first time. Obviously, this show's going to be a big hit. We're all going to be famous after, right? <laughs> Obviously. Yes, obviously how can it go any other way it doesn't happen yeah. the, any other way in the movies <laughs> oh the movies how they oh the movies up. yes yeah <laughs> so just as we start to finish off where where can we find the artist boss community so it, it is a, a facebook group that is um currently as we speak now live but uh you can search it on facebook you'll be able to um very shortly. So probably by the time anybody's listening to this, it'll be on the space space revolution website, hmm. um, the way to join. Um, and you can also reach out to me. <laughs> I feel like, uh, you know, finding me on Instagram or, uh, yeah. or finding space space revolution on Instagram. It'll be, it'll be pretty prominent out there as long as you're looking for me or space space revolution. So, uh, but yeah, artist bosses is, is the, is the name hmm. of the Facebook group. And when you join, you get that, um, uh, exercise in uh, how to create a story in five minutes or less. Mm. And uh, yeah, that's um, I hope that uh, anybody listening will come and join the community because I think that uh, entrepreneurial skills, even if you weren't intending to be an entrepreneur in any fashion or mm. call yourself that there's, they're always so, so helpful and so lacking in the educational spaces within the arts community, performing yeah. arts community. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Vicki, thank you so much for, for talking with me today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. 